Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... Of yours will be reduced to a burned out cinder. Hi, everybody, welcome to Oddcast Movies, Music, and Gaming. Here with me is Dan. All right, Dan. Hey, man, it's me, Dreadful Dan G, ready to do some odd shit. Yeah, we're gonna, it's gonna be really fucking odd shit today. And there's definitely going to be a lot of dread, full of dread for Dreadful Dan. Today, we're going to be talking about the film, The Vivitch, otherwise known as The Witch, uh, released in 2015. Uh, let's have a quick listen. What went we out into this wilderness to find? Leaving our country, kindred, our father's houses. For what? For the kingdom of God. Let us pray. I should say the reason why it's called the Vavavavitch is because um, in old ye day uh, language, um, that's how W's are written as a double V. 
Right, yes. So that's why it's the Vavitch on everything. It was, what does it say, the Vavitch? Is it the witch or the Vavitch? It's because it's trying to be oldie time. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. So I remember that. But I think, I think we should just keep calling it the witch um, from here from here on end. Um, I think I think if it is old English, it's, yeah, it's just witch. Because actually yes. I studied a little bit of this back in the day. Oh. Did some old, uh, yeah, old Middle, Middle England texts and there's a lot of stuff about killing well, witches basically that yeah, was like the gonna... big thing for a couple of hundred years sure that was that that was like the version of big brother was just <laughs> people want to know about is there a witch and if there is did we get them and how yep. how did we die how did they die exactly well let yeah. me give you a bit of context on the movie and then we'll, we'll talk about how we experienced it and then we'll go into a little bit about the plot and good and idea stuff, bits and pieces so this was released in 2015. It's by Robert Eggers, who um, is one of my, uh, because of this film, which is his, his first, uh, but also what he's done since, um, such as Lighthouse. Um, he's one of my favourite hot new directors, basically. Really fucking great. Um, it's got Anya Taylor-Joy in. Uh, this is kind of, I want to say, like, she's been in a lot of stuff since. For me, I always feel like this was her, like, big... Big break. Um, Ralph uh, Innocent, I don't really know how you, how you pronounce that. He is always from The Office for me, um, but he has been in bits and pieces. But um, what was his name in The Office? It's like, it wasn't Begbie, obviously. It was something like... Begbie? The, no. <laughs> what was his name in The Office? I can't remember. But he was the equivalent. If you watch American Office, he is um, uh, Michael Scott's mate who was in Anchorman, who's like the sexist loud horrible thing anyway he's finchy finchy that was it well done mate chris finch yeah chris finch um and then uh yeah you've got the lady i think it's kate dickey uh, I've, I've got it up in front of me so i should know um yeah kate dickey who uh at that point was basically known for being in game of thrones um she's in a few episodes uh it's probably it was around the same time um, and then you've got some other people, um, uh, Harvey Scrimshaw, Ellie Granger and Lucas Dawson, who are basically the kids, the other kids. Um, and it's a film set in the 1630s um, with, in America uh, with the new settlers there. Um, and uh, basically there's some strange goings on, which we'll kind of, we'll get into. Um, it did super well. Um, it was it was at the uh, 2015 Sundance Film Festival, and then A24, who, in my opinion, is the best movie studio to work for at the moment for many many reasons. They're doing the coolest, most cutting edge, most innovative movies of all time. And if if I could get a job anywhere in a movie <clears throat> place. He would be A24. Wow, okay, um, cool. For sure, definitely. Um, and yeah, it had a budget of $4 million, very tight, um, you know, for, for something what it is. And uh, it grossed over $40 million. So, No way, seen, that's great. Yeah, so seen as a huge success. And for good reasons, it's fucking great. Um, so Dan, tell us a little bit about uh, your experience of this film and what, what led you into it. I also thought it was great. Um, I think it had a fairly decent advertising campaign here in the UK. Mm, it did, yeah. I remember seeing posters for it, maybe even saw a trailer or something. I just thought that looks intriguing, looks up my alley. I think I liked the look, you know, stark black and white, 
um, kind of almost a bit washed out, um, like that pretentious art house look. Yeah, <laughs> appealed to me. Um, I didn't know anything about the director. I don't think at that point. Um, so that was it. I just and then I heard some you know reviews and a bit of buzz, and yeah, I thought it was great. Um, loved the tone of the mm. film. You know, it's quite a you know some people might say slow. Um, it's sparse on dialogue, so it's all you know, building up atmosphere, tension. And when certain uh, events do occur, they're quite shocking, visceral, brutal. So it does work emotionally, you know, really had me gripped throughout the whole film. Um, And some of the imagery is phenomenal and really, really stays with you. Mm. Um, So all of that combined, yeah, just make for a great piece of film, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, for me, I heard um, uh, I heard basically from the Sundance buzz. I, t- I used to not so much anymore, but basically, I used to keep tabs on any like good horror that happened at any of the festivals, basically. And this got a lot of buzz around mm-hmm. it. I remember from Sundance, um, and people were saying it's like the horror movies of old, where it's a slow burn, um, it stays with you, it's more disturbing, it's not. It has like a, as you said, kind of a couple of shocking moments, but generally speaking, um, it's very slow, uh, which which it is. And um, yeah, and I remember uh, I took my wife um, to uh, where we went to uni, basically, which is where we met. Um, I won't say where, just in case um, people bothered to want to track it, chat me down for some reason. Um, and <laughs> people are going to do a pilgrimage of your. Yeah. <laughs> Just trying to give away too many, too many personal details, <laughs> just in case. Because um, well, I'm always getting hacked. That's a problem. Um, so I've been hacked so many times that I'm just a bit more aware of it. Um, but yeah, we went and I did like a little um, uh, tour of our uni. She was pregnant with our first, um, at this point, she's about halfway through the pregnancy. Um, and then we went to uh, the cinema that we used to go to, this little indie cinema, and I really, I really, really, really wanted to see The Witch. And um, she relented, even though she hates horror films. And to be honest, I think it's the, it's, it was the first and last horror film we saw in the cinema together for years, for like our entire relationship, it feels like, because she just doesn't go to see these kind of things. Um, I can't imagine seeing that. That helped. <laughs> I've learned over the last few years, um, seeing quite a lot of my friends having babies, there are certain films that pregnant women just do not want to see. Yeah, and we'll come to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, we, that was uh, not, that was a bit unexpected. To be fair, she loved the film. She thought it was really good. But, okay, um, that's good. Uh, but she, that, that's the problem is that she point blank would not watch any horror and she misses some fantastic films because of it. Like the other, I think the only thing I got to get her to see afterwards um was us and the only reason she saw us is because she saw get out which isn't really a horror it's kind of you could call it horror i suppose but it's like it's not it's more thriller kind of horror yeah she's always like oh whenever you say thriller it means horror it's like well (laughs) and i didn't get her to watch get out i was just like it's supposed to be good it's got a lot of chat about it like whatever it's like a um she watched that and then we watched us and she really liked us and i was like us is pretty horror um and it's, yeah. um, it's more horror than get out is 
um and she enjoyed uh yeah, she enjoyed is, um, us but yeah she misses out on like a lot of these a lot of these movies uh, because she pointed point out someone to watch it anyway went to see the witch at the cinema and i also remember it as well because we met up with um uh, my friend ross and that was um the last time i ever saw him unfortunately so it always like it's weird because it sticks around uh he died um uh of uh, uh, brain tumor um not to get too too dark about this um, a few months afterwards, because um, he was going in for his last surgery, and it was like you've already had like you'd already gone in for some surgery. It's like you'll be fine, you'll be fine, and taking the piss because it's like they cut out like a big chunk of his brain. Christ, and it's like oh, you know, um, and he was still fine. Like he was, you know, he just he couldn't do things like drive or anything like anything that you know posed a risk to others or whatever. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we're like, God, you know, you're already thick to begin with. Like, how much of your brain they're gonna, you know, they cut? you're not using it all anyway. Blah blah blah, whatever. Um, and unfortunately, yeah, he uh, never um, recovered. Uh, and yeah, that was the last, not to get too down about, about it. Um, so weirdly, this kind of plays into like that weekend um, and that day, basically. So I very specifically remember watching this film and the day surrounding it because of that, um, which is very strange. I know, it's just uh, really some real significance for you. Yeah, it's weird. So it kind of... Um, sticks out a lot and also like the fact that this was um it also uh, how do I put this because of I because of when it was released I judge how long it's been since that happened by how long it's been since I saw the film if that makes mm-hmm. sense it gives me a sense of time weird it's weird yeah. way of saying it um but yeah so I loved it I watched it I loved it I thought um uh, you know and then after this I know that um Ari Aster Robert Eggers uh, are mates, basically. And it was because of The Witch and um, because I heard Ari, uh, sorry, Robert Eggers say stuff about Ari Aster, who went on to do Hereditary, that I went to watch Hereditary in the cinema and I loved that. Blah, 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 blah. Um, that's way 24 stuff as well. Um, so, I didn't realise yeah. he did that as well. What? Hereditary. Robert Eggers didn't do Hereditary. Ari oh. Aster did. So so him, him and like, they're like A24's like, cool kids basically (laughs) i think they knew each other at film school or something like that um i think they're friends or i might have made that up but um uh they did a podcast episode together on the a24 podcast which is pretty cool where they basically suck each other's dick essentially but um uh but it's worth it but um so what else has he done other than you mentioned the lighthouse yeah well that lighthouse was his um last uh last big one um that's that's basically which i still haven't seen it's really good. Like the lighthouse, like he uses the same DOP, um, I believe, but the lighthouse has some of the most amazing just shots, just shots uh, in it that I've ever seen. Um, yeah. Apparently he's uh, making another film called the Northman, um, which is a uh, medieval epic. Um, and it's got some, apparently it's got some cool people. It's got Nicole Kidman, Bjork, William Dafoe, Anya Taylor-Joy's back, Alexander Skarsgård, Ethan Hawke. Um, and yeah, apparently he's also That's developing a miniseries based on the life of Rasputin, uh, which would be interesting. So um, uh, yeah, it is interesting. Um, and I know like he was talking about, oh, maybe I want to do a comedy to do something a bit different. But I think it's a bit like, I think you're right. Just, you know do your thing yeah <laughs> a lot of directors get to that point and they're like oh i feel like i've kind of done that i'm going to try something else and then fall flat on their face yeah um, it's like stick with uh stick with what you stick what with you your, your stuff 
Yeah. So should we take a bit of a break and then um, what should we do? Should we go into like the plot a little bit and then talk about more yeah. of the stuff around it afterwards? Yeah, um, plot and some of the key scenes. Yeah. All right, let's do it. So, Dan, um, what should I do? Should I take you through the plot? Because I know yes, I, saw, I saw it. More, I saw it more recently. So, um, basically, it opens out, and this is. I'm always. I'm interested in how what you think about this, basically. So I should say, before I begin, I actually read the script Wow. Um, in preparation for this because there's a few bits, um, there's a few scenes and all this stuff and a few descriptions of the scenes that um, I feel like add a bit more context to stuff I wasn't quite sure about when I watched the film. Um, so it's quite interesting. Mm. So this whole like opening sequence is a bit extended in the script. There's a bit more um, dialogue. It's not really really add anything it's just um you see it's a there's a uh there's a lot of quiet moments um in the lead up to when they get to the forest um which are a bit more a bit more back and forth between it so i like the fact they've kind of cut some of this stuff out basically um yeah but yeah so what happens is it's 1630s new england um and there's this uh there's a bunch of english people um william and his family um, and he's got, yes, yeah, him, his wife, they've got a little baby, um, they've got a pair of twins, uh, a daughter and a son. Um, and, and this is kind of what's interesting is because when you're listening to it, you see it from Anya Taylor-Joy's perspective. Um, and she seems to be, you don't see, this is what's great, is that you don't actually see, I can't remember if you don't see him at all, but you hardly see William arguing with the people who are judging him. You're seeing it from the perspective of the, essentially the children and the family, just kind of like sitting there listening to it, um, which I thought was quite interesting. It's talking about like sin and all this stuff. And basically the dad is sounding off on how the settlers aren't Christian enough. And I'm not hundred percent sure what's happened or whatever, but he seems to be like, I don't know, like um, a, a, it's a Puritan colony, but he seems to be like even more um, about the exact word of God, whatever than the rest of them. Mm. So they could be doing something or other. And he's like, he's too hardcore, um, but he's kicked out basically with his family. Um, oh yeah. Which, They're ostracized from that. Yeah. Which community yeah. during, yeah, exactly. Which during colonization is pretty much a death sentence because you know, you to fend for yourselves in um, that kind of yeah. time and place is um, not great. But anyway, they go off and you see them like um, venture um, away. And there's a, there's a shot where you see like a couple of um, like Native Americans uh, kind of wandering into this like town and looking back. And I always wondered like why that shot was there. Um, and I'm never quite sure. And I thought, is it that, is it because they are showing and like that initial kind of threat in a sense of that is a traditional threat in a sense of like cowboys and Indians and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, are we going to go down this kind of like, you know, it's them going out and maybe the native Americans will do something. I don't know. Like, I'm not really sure what that is. I also thought they were quite like macho and masculine and it mm-hmm. cuts to like Anya Taylor joy, looking at him and looking at them. And I was thinking, is that like a, 
is it a sexual thing? Because that kind of comes up quite a lot during the course of um, the film. I'm not quite sure. Maybe um, both. Yeah. Maybe both. It's a little bit that like um, they're dangerous and yeah. that's what makes them sort of sexually appealing. Mm. But I think it does, like you say, you know, they're ostracized from the community. They're out there on their own. And then the, just a little thing planted here for the audience, just so there's that little bit of tension now in the back of your mind that, yes, there are natives who might be hostile to them. Yeah, exactly. Even though there's nothing to suggest that because they're just literally just walking into a, into the town. But the door's closed, whatever. And then you've got these lo- great few scenes of them, like, by a campfire, like, trying to eat some food or whatever. Then you see them praying um, to this extremely dominating <clears throat> forest. It's just this like wall of trees mm. um, and the music and the music. So I've got the vinyl here because it's, I love, I love, absolutely love the soundtrack to this, um, to this movie. Nice. It's crazy. Like how well integrated this music and how like insane um, some of it is and whatever. Um, so you've got this extremely like, yeah, this wall of trees that just like looks just so dominating over this like tiny family praying up to it. Um, and then, uh, you kind of, and then it jumps through time and they have settled now, but the crops are dying. Um, it's all like, it's not going very well. Everything's like a bit shit and run down where he's obviously tried to like put it together. And this is like, and also this is kind of a general thing throughout the film is that his, masculinity and his ability to be a father is constantly tested throughout the whole thing. So yeah. the fact that like the crops are shit, the fact that everything's like run down or not working properly, whatever, it's just constantly testing him. But he is just like adamant. It's like, he is like the voice of God kind of thing. Like he, his true belief will set him free, etc., and all this. And that's where you start to get that foreboding of like, you can see he's gonna, his pride's too big and he's going to take a fall. You can just feel it, you know, this guy, he's losing control and the way he responds to that loss of control is, uh, it's not good, basically. Yeah. He responds with like aggression and inflated ego. Mm. Well, you wonder if like there's a shining moment coming here where he's like going to let loose or something because as well, um, you'll see, you'll notice he's like chopping wood. Um, and there's a, uh, there's a comment that comes up later, which is like, the only thing you can do is basically chop wood, um, which is kind of true. There's just this racks of like wood, which actually kills him in the end. If you remember, he's like buried in all this wood as if like buried yeah. in his like shit labor <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, there's, there's some kind futile, of futile, it's futile yeah. efforts. Yeah, exactly. Um, it? yeah. So there's all that going on. Um, and then basically, uh, you, you kind of see like the family working, um, you know, as much as possible. And, uh, and then this is the bit, which is horrible. Um, so basically, uh, Tom, Tom, and I think, what's her name? Is it Tom Thomason? Um, uh, is playing peekaboo with Samuel, um, mm. who's the little baby. And it's this great shot where she's like, yeah, peekaboo. And when you see the baby giggling and then, Peekaboo, suddenly the baby's gone. And it's this great show. She's like, huh? And she looks up and you're seeing her POV. And there's just, uh, so great. There's just this little rustle in the bushes. So as if like someone's just gone through there or something. 
So, um, yeah, she's like, ah, she starts screaming and shouting. And then it's horrible. Yeah. You, you are with the figure and it's this like hunched figure kind of trying to make its way through the woods. It's all like fucking, you can't really see it, but it's like some kind of like, you know, old punk hunched kind of creature, whatever kind of going through. You stay with that creature and you basically go, um, you'll notice that, uh, I think, I can't remember if it cuts away from it or whatever, but, um, this, and this is where it's one of the most horrifying things where it's the baby kind of like giggling and gaggling and then you see this old woman, you see like some old hands or whatever, and you can't really see her properly. And she and she basically like is playing with the, a finger against like the little baby's posh belly. And then it hard cuts into like her with a fucking pedal and mortar grinding what and in this like sludgy red gunky stuff, which is the baby, which you're just like horrified by because you're like, fucking hell like she's actually yeah. grinding up this baby um and then there's all this like music kind of going on to make it more and more intense um and uh yeah she's um starting to spread it on her broomstick um and then she kind of spreads puts all over herself and you just see her slowly rise into the moon and then it cuts so let's talk about that sequence a little bit <laughs> um it's it's really weird how this film, that's the climax, basically, of the film in the sense of it is, instead of like with normal other horrors, especially old horrors, if you think of like Don't Look Now or whatever, it mm. ends on it ends on the big visual thing. It ends on the payoff, basically. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with this film, it starts with the payoff and the rest is the mm-hmm. aftermath, which I always think is really fucking bold um, and really intense and great. There's that. The second thing is that um, obviously she's old and horrible and disgusting and all this stuff. Um, but in the script, she actually is like singing things and she's kind of like talking with the baby and all this stuff. They've cut that. And I think that's for the better. It's just like, it's just kind of like the music and the things happening. There's nothing to distract you from it, which is, I thought was good. And yeah. Also, sorry, that, would, that would sort of humanise that character a bit too much as well. I like that it's still very obscure or shrouded in darkness and mystery. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. And then, yeah, that whole thing of like uh, babies and um, using it to essentially um, that was what the old uh, folklore was, is that um, how witches could fly is they would basically use newborn um, blood and rub it onto the broomstick. And that's what made the broomstick fly. That's that's where it came from. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. So another thing, I guess, like we should should have said this up front really was... um, all this stuff, everything that's in this film was taken from actual um, accounts, eyewitness accounts, like folklore, uh, true tales, if they, if they, if they that even is a thing. And loads, and just uh, he, the guy, Robert Eggers, um, just did tons and literally years of research, digging into old text. He would point blank, just lift exact um, sentences and words from text to use as dialogue. Um, but all this stuff is based upon what people, because obviously, and this is kind of what I love about it as well, is that people think of like, we have a certain thing through um, pop culture and all this stuff of like what a witch is and everything. And it's all been put through this like lens of like making it a bit more family friendly or whatever yeah, um, yeah. to a degree. Pointy heart and all that. Yeah, exactly. And there's certain stereotypes, certain things that are, that are to do with it, right? But this was taking it back to like, what did people think witches actually were back then? What are some of the tales? What were some of the things? Yeah. And you have to remember as well is that part, 
like because it's like it's a new world basically and people were terrified of it and the dangers of it and all this stuff um and they are the foreign force coming in um but there's something like mystical magical and all this stuff about it um but yeah it's based a lot in fact that's what's so cool about that that um foreboding forest and like the fact that she comes presumably from out of the forest and is like you said that all you see is that rustle and she's Mm. gone it's sort of you know on a psychological level is signifying that sort of like fear of the the landscape and the new environment Mm. yeah exactly and also with that that rustle in the bushes what adds to it and this is what i love the most about film and that it allows film to do this is when it plays with time so because you know subconsciously um and they do this in the shining funny enough as well which i'll kind of come to you know subconsciously by the time it took her to close her eyes and say peekaboo there is no way and a natural person could yeah. have come from nowhere snatched that baby and wrapped back into that bush within the sake within the course of like two and a half three seconds yeah. So because that's happened, you already know there's like something supernatural and, and it's already disturbing you in your head subconsciously. Yeah. Um, yeah, and there's yeah. one thing, and they do this in The Shining, um, uh, and people imagine it's purposeful, but no one's actually kind of, no one's, I guess, 100% sure, but just because of who Kubrick was, which is when they show you the layout of the, sh- of the hotel when they're following Jack Nicholson, it doesn't make sense. So... You naturally, as a film goer, as an audience member, your brain is automatically, when you see things like that and people walking through scenes, like when you think about Alien or whatever and things like that, your brain is automatically making a map. You're mapping things out. Um, Mm -hmm. And then when something doesn't make sense, it's subconsciously making you feel weird. Something's off and you're not really sure why. And that's because something isn't matching up to what's going on that your brain has done. And in The Shining, there's specifically one thing where you'll notice Jack Nicholson, who randomly is reading a play girl, not a playboy, play girl, is taken to see like the manager guy and he goes to and you see it all and you see like the, um, the walls and all this stuff. And then at the back of this manager guy, there's a big bright white window with like the outside there. Now, the way that you've been led in there, it doesn't make sense because there shouldn't be a window there. Like, so why is that there, basically? Um, and that's what I always think is like, that you know, that always kind of sticks out to me because it's like, yeah, the, the fact that it's these things that your brain, that's a, I would like to think that's a purposeful choice to make you feel weird that yeah. um, it doesn't make sense that in the middle, literally in the middle of the hotel, there's a window looking outside yeah. um, because it, it doesn't make sense ge- geographically. Just these little touches that build a sense of unease in you. Yeah, exactly. And like how The Shining does that with space, the, the witch is the example of how it does it with time. Um, uh, so anyway, sorry, kind of going off on that. Um, so yeah, so this is kind of like the start of the downfall um, where uh, you basically, um, no one, people are like, oh, like a wolf's got it or something like that. Like, you know, they're not really sure what's happened. Obviously, they're never going to find it. You know it's dead, um, which is, you know, horrible. The mum is obviously devastated. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and then you've got um, Tomlinson um, is kind of like, oh, you know, fuck. Um, I've been, um, everyone's blaming me and all this stuff. So that's kind of like part of her 
it's the first step towards her downfall that's been kind of pushed on her rather than her mm. feeling it. And um, it actually, uh, one of the scenes actually opened up, um, I think it might happen before the baby thing, with her basically saying that she she has been having like unholy thoughts. She's been, um, she needs like the grace of God, whatever. She's like completely God-fearing um, and all this. And uh, yeah, she's, you know, part of this film is about her coming of age and being like, um, becoming an adult, literally turning from a little girl into a into a woman. Mm-hmm. And they kind of talk about that throughout the film. Um, but yeah, so it's quite interesting. But anyway, they decide that um, uh, um, the dad, William, and the son, Caleb, are going to go um, and see if they can, basically there's no food. So they're going to go and see if they've found any animals in the forest that he's set up traps for. And as they go there, um, Caleb is like, and this is where it gets interesting. Caleb's like, oh God, will Samuel go to heaven um, because he wasn't baptised? Um, you know, what will happen? He's he's died a sinner, uh, which is obviously what they believe. Yeah. Basically, like, William's like, yeah, probably. Like, I can't, tell you, I can't tell you for sure. Like, I'm not God, but I can't say he's definitely going to heaven. And Caleb is like freaking the fuck out, basically, because it's like, I don't get it. It's just horrible. Um, Dems the rules exactly exactly um at the same time um like yeah they find the reason why he's keeping the hunting stuff a secret is because he's traded his wife's silver cup to kind of get the stuff in so he's and he's kept it a secret so there's already this kind of like uh, kind of like secrets within the family um and the, the silver cup will play a part later on as well i also think the fact that it's a cup which is a um uh, seen as a feminine symbol um, is quite interesting um, as well. That might be is a, is a, cup, is a cup a feminine symbol? Yeah. Because well, yeah. it's like a... It's like a V. It's a V. Yeah, like a cup is seen as a, uh, a feminine symbol, yes. Indeed. A receptacle. Um, yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> receptacle. Uh <laughs> So, yeah, so they're kind of going around and you'll see, like, there's these shots of this, like, frenzied rabbit, which I always thought was quite cool. Do you remember that? Yeah, that's horrible. Anything yeah. with animals in not, distresses me. Yeah, I'm Just not like, sure how they did it. So I'm not sure if it's supposed to be, like, possessed by the witch or if it's the witch herself, but it's got these, like, crazy orange eyes. Um, oh, yeah. It's just, like, something, yeah. It's, it, yeah, as far as, like, little touches that just make you feel uneasy and start to build up. This worked for me. Mm. I was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they come back and they haven't said anything about um, they've been going hunting or anything like that. I don't think they find anything um, either, which is a bit annoying. Um, and then, yeah, then there's this question of this cup comes up. It's like, oh, has it been stolen or whatever? And everyone's like against Paul Thomason. Um blame her for like everything and the fact that the you know poor Samuel disappeared and all this stuff um and then yeah there's talk that um uh basically William the dad is like uh, maybe we should send Thomason away because she's like old enough to actually work for a family now and we'll get money that way and it's like oh god it's horrible and they hear it yeah they obviously hit her and Caleb or whatever um really upset about it um and uh, as well, I should say, like Caleb is like checking out his sister's tits. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, she's 
um, it's kind of the reason why it's doing that is because she's now becoming, they're showing you that she's now become sexualized in a sense of um, like, obviously this kid's like growing up as well. He's got nothing to look at. <laughs> if you know what I mean, it's not, <laughs> and whatever, um, it's poor sister, but also the fact that it's like the male gaze has like begun. Like she started to like be sexual or whatever. Yeah. Which kind of plays into it a little bit later on as well. Yeah. Um, so instead, Thomason, uh, sorry, Caleb is like, oh, he gets a horse ready. He's like, I'm going to go into the forest and, um, uh, I, don't, I don't really know why he does this, but he's going to go check the traps or whatever. I think the idea is to be like, look, we don't have to send her away because I've got some food. I don't know. Like we could sell it. I don't have to, we don't have to like get money this way to eat. We've got the food. I think it's kind of what he's going for. Um, but he wants Thomason to stay obviously. Um, and uh, so, yeah. So as they go back into the woods, um, they find a rabbit actually, I believe. And they're like, yeah, cool. Okay. And then they're coming back home and this is quite this this nice um, back and forth where it's actually like a, a moment of uh, calm and relaxation as they're going through the forest. There's no threat, whatever. And she's saying how, like, um, do you remember, like, glass, basically? Do you remember we, we had, like, a glass window? Um, huh. And he's like, I don't remember. And she's like, yeah, you remember, like, the glass? And it was like, oh, you know, we're, like, the dad was sleeping in the sun or whatever from the glass because it was making him warm or something like that. And he's like, I remember that, but I don't remember the glass thing. And I think, so again, that's kind of like pointing out um, the stuff, the little minor things that they're now, little luxuries, which is really a luxury that they're now like, they haven't got yeah. anymore. Um, and I wondered why it was like, you know, a window or a glass specifically that would say that, uh, that she used um, as an example. I don't know if there's any meaning behind that. Um, I know people say, you know, oh, I don't know, like the w- windows and the, the idea of the the other side um, and all this. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. Or thinking what you said earlier, and it could just actually be a specific um, example taken from a contemporary text. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's possible. Um, but yeah, so they see this rabbit again. Uh, the dog runs off to get the rabbit. Um, the horse gallops away basically throws Thompson off she passes out and Caleb has gone off after um after the dog after the rabbit so this is when it gets a bit weird again which is pretty cool um uh Caleb basically um starts going through the forest and finds this weird like house made of sticks essentially and then from out of it comes this very voluptuous um which but woman basically so she's all like very boob boobalicious um, and she's coming out but all like her teeth are like fucked up and like old and horrible so there's this element of like she's a bit dirty and grimy and disgusting but she's like overtly sexual. heavily sexualized yeah. yeah exactly and um he's teasing her in and because we've already seen him like checking out things we know that he's like got these like sexual thoughts up for it yeah, exactly, like, through his, like, sin, basically. Um, if you want to go down that way, she's, like, teasing him in. And it's this great shot where it's all, like, very slow. She comes and she, like, lays this, like, seductive kiss on him. And then, vroom, like, jump scare, kind of almost, like, this old, disgusting hand, like, gets the other side of his head. And then that's it, just cuts to black. 
And you're like, oh, God, like you don't know, and you don't know what's going to happen to him or anything. Um, it's just pretty cool. Yeah, no, this is a good part. Yeah, it was really great. Um, and then, yeah, so the dad is like, oh, God, I've got to go find them. Where are they and all this? Um, and, yeah, finds uh, uh, Thomason in the woods or whatever. And she's like, oh, Caleb, Caleb. Um, and, again, she kind of gets blamed for the fact that Caleb's now missing. Um, and that's harsh, like, isn't it? Yeah, and the mum is, like, shouting at her and all this stuff and talking about this fucking silver cup again. And the dad is like, okay, look, I took it and I sold it, okay? Um you know, it was my fault or whatever. Um, but yeah, like Thomason's getting a hard time, basically. I mean, she can't be held accountable for, you know, what is essentially a randy teenager. Yeah, but she is. And that's the thing is that she's kind of getting the blame for absolutely, um, absolutely everything. It's also a moment, I don't know if it's happened yet or if it happens earlier, where <clears throat> he falls over in the mud. Oh no, it's already happened by this point. The dad falls over in the mud. And then the wife is like, oh, change his clothes like he's all muddy and stuff and thomason is like undressing him um mm. and i remember like when i was watching it going is this like a sexual thing um because it looks fairly innocent but it's a bit weird and then what was great is in the script it's like yeah it's like that it's quite intimate and it's something that she's too old to be like doing now and all this stuff and I was like okay yeah I'm glad that the script kind of pointed that out because I was wondering that it's a little bit weird and awkward and obviously that was that was on purpose um see anyway uh as she's kind of outside she hears something I can't remember what she's walking around and she finds Caleb basically like naked and just like leaning up against a fence and that's quite a cool image I remember because you're just like what the fuck is that um and it's him and uh and yeah, so they kind of like take him in and he's all like shivery and stuff. And during this whole time, the twins are like playing with Black Philip, who is uh, this black goat. Um, and they're saying, they're like whispering in his ear and they can say they're talking to him and they're singing songs about him. And all the songs are like saying like, oh, King Black Philip, he's the king or whatever. And he's so great and all this stuff. Um, he's like, oh, powerful and all that. And everyone's like, shut up <laughs> stop mucking about um i love black philip yeah i love he's that he's good. called black philip yeah i love that they sing to him everything about him. yeah but of, of course you're already you know you're like oh god here we go we know this isn't gonna end well yeah exactly um and then there's a scene where she's trying to like milk the goat and they're like accusing Tom and she's like talking about how she's talking to the twins um about how um, you know oh are you really speaking to the goat and they're like yeah but you said you were a witch and you were going to kill me because there was something they had like a little thing earlier where she was pretending she was pretending like she actually stole Sam or whatever she's like playing up to like yeah being the witch or whatever being a witch um and then they're like no you said you were a witch like you're gonna oh she's gonna get us whatever and all this stuff she's like just joking like chill out she's like but seriously, it's Black Philip. Like, are you actually, like, what does he say to you? What's he talking about? And then, yeah, she looks down, she notices that the she's where she's um, milking the goat. Um, she's milking the nanny goat. Nanny goat, yeah, it's just like blood. It's just coming out, yeah. which is a bit horrible. Um, there's also a bit uh, where, um, I can't remember which bit it is, but where she like comes out in the middle of the night and in the script, um, uh, in the script, I think nothing happens. Or maybe that's when she finds Caleb. Um, but 
uh, yeah, in the script, there's a bit where she comes in and sees Black Philip humping another goat. Oh. Um, quite roughly, apparently. I don't know how they would have filmed this, but she like just watches on like a bit too long than she should do. <laughs> so as if she's been like sexually aroused by this, by Black Philip, basically. Yeah. Or just intrigued. Goat. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, but I think it's supposed to be something a bit, you know, strangely, you know, strangely erotic about it. Yeah. In its own maybe they way. cut it because it wasn't, they can do it. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe there's a, there's a deleted scene out there somewhere of them running around trying to get this goat to hump another goat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. And it's somewhere. barging around and knocking cameras over and everyone's going, oh, Black Philip. <laughs> what are you it. up to? It's been at it again. It's going, just forget it. Scrap it off. Scrap it off. Um, yeah. So they, um, th- there's another bit uh, around this time as well where they hear, um, God, is this? I can't remember. Um, can't remember which bit happens in which bit. So I know that Caleb, um, Caleb basically uh, freaks out. He coughs up like a rotten apple, and yeah. everyone is going crazy. Um, and he's like, he's saying stuff. He's saying stuff which I remember. And this was a bit. This was a scene that I actually didn't like so much because I thought his acting was pretty bad at this point this scene that he does um mm. it felt very like amdram and i didn't like it i didn't care for it um i mean i know he's just a kid but still uh and he's and it's not really sure i'm not really sure what's happening but he seems to be like in this like thing of like oh she's inside me she's tearing me apart kind of mm. thing like i could feel her fingers inside or whatever and all that so it's this like quite this visceral kind of you know imagery i suppose that he's conjuring yeah. up and then he gets all like, um, I don't know, like uh, euphoric and talking about like Christ and proclaiming himself for Christ and all this stuff. Um, now, he's doing it for, in a very weird manner. And I remember thinking that when I was watching the film, reading the script, they do say that he starts like touching himself like erotically, like he's being turned on by the sensation of like Christ and all this stuff, um, which I was like, yeah, it could have been, I don't really. I don't know, like it's a bit too subtle almost. It would have been, I don't know, like I just felt like this scene wasn't, didn't live up to its potential. Um, it's the one bit where I cringe basically whenever I watch it. Oh, really? Like, what you've just described about. there starts to sound a little bit over the top to me. Mm. Um... A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I like that some of that, yeah, that like just burgeoning eroticism is, you know, it's quite quite subtle and in the background. Mm. Um, otherwise, this could end up like a scene from The Exorcist. Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. It's this weird like monologue that he comes out with and it's like everyone's watching him. It just feels quite out of place. But anyway. So is this where they first actually formally kind of accuse her? Yeah. After so this, this is where it's been like, spewed up and the, the twins come in, I think. And that's right. The twins are like, she said like, she was a witch. She said it. And they're like, whatever. You're talking about Philip. You're the fucking witch. And she's like, no, look. Uh, and they start rolling on the floor, which I imagine is in mock pain, not real pain. But they're like, oh, yeah. she's, stop her, stop her. And anyway, William's like, there's no way I've brought up a witch. There's no way this could happen. Anyway, they all kind of like run off. This is where it starts all going to shit, basically. And he's like, oh, well, when we take you back, we'll put you on trial, <laughs> basically. It's like, and we, you know, everyone knows those don't necessarily go, go so well. Um, but she's she calls him out and she's like, you're the one that's been fucking lying. Like You're the one who got us thrown out in the first place. You're the one that's done all this, X, Y, Z. You want to send me to another family to work and all this. And he's like, uh, whatever, shut up. Um, so he basically, if, and if I remember this right, he shuts them all in with Black Philip and, and basically boards it up. He's like, oh, if you're a witch, then, you know, you're a witch. Basically, he's like, you're all going to get boarded up together because I don't really know what to do. Um, like, we'll sort this out later. Um, yeah. And then this is where it starts. Like, this is kind of the beginning of the end, even though you don't really think think it will be, but it, it kind of is. And that's what's weird as well. It's this whole thing feels like it takes place, um, like, past the kid being taken. It feels like it all takes place over the course of, like, a few days now. Like, everything's happening very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, so there's this whole bit where the witch basically, it cuts between one and the other. The witch basically jumps on top of this uh, place with the goats and is seen like milking the goat and is like all like laughing and manic and horrible. And it's just this disgusting kind of like reveal. But at the same time, um, the mother is having these visions of the baby and Caleb. Um, and she's like, you know, she's got the baby back and all this. And it's quite horrible and disgusting um, because it's like really fucking creepy. It's like, oh, you'll see us soon, mother, or whatever, and all this stuff. She's obviously been beckoned to like die. Yeah, it's all just so upsetting. Yeah, and it kind of ends It's really on well this, done. Yeah, it's really well done. And it ends on this horrible thing where she thinks she's like feeding her baby and it's just a crow yeah, just biting a fucking nipple and all this stuff. It's a really hor- horrific image. That's um, what I kind of went, that's what I was thinking of actually when I said there's some great imagery in this film. Mm. That's the image that stayed with me. Yeah, it stayed with me as well. It's horrible uh, for so many reasons. And it's so brilliantly fra- like framed and shot. Um, like that little scene would just work so well as a still photograph. Yeah. 
just dripping with imagery and ah, yeah, fantastic. It is really fantastic. Um, so this is all kind of like being built up to, and this is, that's kind of like the climax, basically. And then the next morning, she's in bed. The mother's in bed with her like bleeding nipple, but she's like awake, basically, and like keeping her eyes open. And then the dad gets out and uh, looks down and sees basically all the boards have been like broken apart. The goats are all dead. Um, Thompson is just kind of lying there like, like what's going on? And then, and this is what's quite cool is that um, uh, I think the twins, I think the twins have died as well, but I don't know if you see that because they don't come back. So I'm guessing they're dead as well. Um, Or maybe they don't even, I can't remember. Maybe you don't see their bodies or anything. I think they, maybe they've just disappeared. Um, but whatever they've broken out or something like that I don't know the, the twins aren't there anymore and they don't yeah, appear I can't for remember. the rest of the, they don't appear for the rest of the film it's, I don't think it's ever really explained um, that's quite good again as well though it's just like you know if you'd seen them being killed or something again it starts to get a bit over the top it's like confusion and yeah the last thing you is see is still seeing the witch basically um, yeah yeah, it's still a bit like, is this now? Is this still nightmare or dream or reality? And yeah, what's people going are on just now? people are coming and going. You know, Caleb's come back and he's gone, and and now and now the twins are gone, and it just becomes starts to become yeah, a bit sort of like nightmarey. Yeah, very much. Um, and anyway, like William's kind of like looking, and he's a bit like, like, what he's done. He's like, oh god, like what the fuck's happening? Um, and He's now like, oh, you really are a witch or whatever. And she's like, no, no, whatever. And then this is when Black Philip just comes up and fucking impales him with his horns. Um, and uh, he does it kind of twice, but he does like, he jumps up on like two legs. He becomes this like massive, dominating, weird, human-like figure. It's again, a really striking image, even though it's just a goat on two legs or whatever, like yeah. messing up. Still fucking horrible. Um, I also think there's something, I know you'll laugh about this as you do usually, but um, <laughs> the fact that there's something um, to do with him being gouged by a phallic <laughs> horn or something, <laughs> as in, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like he, he's been essentially emasculated or whatever at the final, at the final bit. And yeah, having all that wood that he's been chopping on just dumped on his head afterwards yeah, as you said, it's like the futility of it all. Um, yeah. It's just not not man enough or whatever. Um, yeah. And also, like, and that's kind of the thing, like he says, like right before this, he has this little speech where he's like talking to God or whatever, praying. That's what another version of saying that. Um, and saying how like, oh, I should have stayed there. What have I done? I've doomed my family and all this stuff. My pride, my pride. It's like, yeah, you're right. It was your pride, dickhead. She was yeah. shut up a stage of the colony and none of this would have happened. Um but yeah, so now you've got this, uh, you've got this other cool bit. So the mum comes out, it's like, oh, what have you done? And then it's like, you know, you killed the baby, they killed the twins, they've gone, whatever. Caleb's dead, you took him into the forest. And she's like, and then she starts saying about how like, oh, I've seen how um, you're trying to seduce like Caleb and your father and all this stuff. So now the mum's like thinking, you know, you're a bit of a slut or whatever. Horrible. Like, yeah. yeah. Really goes out and she's like, no, mummy, I love you, I love you, whatever. It's a really tragic scene. And basically she starts getting like choked. And then Thompson finds like a hook or something and like 
stabs her like clean through the face and then basically keeps going until she dies and falls off her. So now everyone's dead. <laughs> Thomas is just by herself and everyone's dead and she's like covered in blood, um, which is really horrible. So then she, uh, she goes to like, I think she goes to like the stable or something and, and what is it? She goes to like the table and just falls asleep. Yeah. And then um, she wakes up and it's dark. And I loved that because I was like, she's obviously, they had just got up. So she's obviously slept all day, whatever it is. And now it's nighttime. And that makes it even creepier because obviously it's nighttime and it's dark. But as in like, there's no one there. Everyone's dead. Yeah. Like literally she's just by herself. And that's ho- that's horrible in itself, even for what's about to happen or what's just happened. She's now completely alone and isolated and whatever. Um then she goes to the stables and uh, she talks to Black Philip, who is a goat to begin with. And then um, you start hearing a human voice and it says like, oh, would you like to live deliciously? Do you like the taste of butter? Which always stays in my head as a sentence <laughs> and all this. And like, all you have to do is like write in this book. Um, and yeah, basically she, she literally sells her soul to the devil and there's part of me which is just thinking it's that thing of like she's been I don't know like uh, well, I'll kind of get to the end of this and then we, I guess we can kind of discuss about this whole end bit but yeah so it's name in the book she walks off into the forest where she's naked following Black Philip um, and then there is this there's a bunch of witches basically in the middle of this forest and they're doing all these like weird dancing and all this stuff and everything yeah. And then they start writing, yeah, in the nude. And then they start around a fire and then they start levitating and dancing up. And then Thomason basically goes up and she's like euphoric. Um, And that's the end of the film. Yeah. And that's it. So tell tell me what you think about that ending and anything you think it meant or any, you know, or just general thoughts, I guess. Um, I mean, yeah, I get visually and everything in terms of content, it's really stunning and shocking. Um. I wasn't expecting it. Mm. Again, it seems to keep that the nightmare going, where it's like everything's become so surreal and intense now. And is this even happening? Is it the old, oh, she's fallen asleep and actually this is all all a dream? And But um, no, but, you know, it makes sense, I think. There's a payoff as well. And it, it starts, what's great is it starts to make you think, were they right all along? And mm. she just didn't realise that she actually was already a witch. Mm. Or was she masking it? I just love how, yeah, it sort of like um, creates that ambiguity that you then start sort of like applying yourself retrospectively mm. to everything you've seen already. Um, yeah, I mean, that's sort of like the literal kind of take on it is that, yeah, she became a witch, was a witch. Um I think it's interesting then to think, what does it mean in terms of like the context of, you know, the abuse that she's suffered, mm. um, you know, the the mistrust of her family, that you see her basically turning on them and embracing that which they, they you know, kind of uh, applied on her, pushed on her. She kind of just has to... she's marginalised, like they've been marginalised from their community, she's marginalised from within the family and is left with only one option. Mm. Embrace the hate. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, exactly. I think that is part of it. It's the idea, yeah, of she... It's not that she turned to sin, it's that she was forced to sin, basically. That yeah. She was perceived as a sinner and as a witch. Um, and by the end of it, you just think, well, you know, fuck it, basically. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, just go, just go with it. I think, yeah, that idea of like... She, and that's kind of that's kind of part of it because she's you feel like she's almost wrestling with what she views as sin and all this stuff. Um, yeah. And but there's also I think there's an element here where she um, is to do with the like the role of women basically and how it's very much it's not just to do with witches but it's to do with how women are perceived especially when they come of age basically yeah and especially when they're seen as a source of sin for the fact that it's like it's, it's like victim blaming like because yeah. she's so pretty and sexy that it's her fault for being like that and that she yeah. pulls the sins of others rather than it's them being sinful it's actually put all the blames put on her which is literally what happens um, during the course uh, the course of the film. Yeah, spot on. Yeah, I see that. Mm. In that regard, it's a bit like um, oh, this film. I can't remember what it's called. Is it Haxan? Don't know. Have you seen that? No. I saw it a couple of years ago, The Prince Charles. Um, it's a film that um, is from 1922. Right. And it's kind of all about witchcraft through the ages. Right. Um, but what's fantastic about it is that at the end, basically like last five minutes, you realize, okay, what they do then is they draw a parallel with the treatment of women in 1922. And then watching that in like 2019, it's like, wow, I draw another parallel. Um, but it is kind of like, look, this is how, cause you're meant to be repulsed and appalled by how these women are treated. Yeah. And then they go, here we are in 1922. And this is how we as a society still behave towards women who exhibit any kind of um, deviation from, you know, the norm of what society expects of them. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's very similar, actually, film in a way, mm. in terms of like the um, like content themes. Yeah. Very, very interesting film. Again, I'd recommend it to anyone. Yeah, so would I. Um, yeah, I think there's also that thing of like, just, I don't know, classic teenage rebellion, but also, like, the fact that find... You don't... It doesn't mean... How do I put this? The fact that she wants to find her independence and the fact that she's not... She's not bought into this whole religious way of life, especially her father's version of religion and all this stuff, doesn't necessarily mean that you're a sinner or whatever... Um, but almost like that this Satan figure has been, it's kind of like tempting her away from that, you know, religion, lifestyle, whatever. But, and also like at the end, I think the fact that it's like these women laughing, dancing, whatever, and then she's kind of been brought up with the euphoria of it all. It's, I think that part of the reason that it, it looks uh, jubilant, it's quite a jubilant ending on a yeah. horrific film when it yeah. is, it's also like disturbs you as a viewer as well, because yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a joyous, weird celebration thing, but she has accepted evil. 
and she's become the evil part of it, but in her own, I don't know. So it's very, I don't know. It's quite strange. Um, Yeah. There's quite a few films recently that have kind of adopted that technique, mm. which, you know, it does chill you. Um, What's that one? The um, one that's a bit like the Wicker Man. Uh, kill this. <laughs> no, it's got um oh god, I can't remember her name now. It's called Summer 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 not Summersby. Oh Summerset. sorry, you're talking about Midsummer. Midsummer, that's yeah. the one. Ariasta again. That kind of thing. That kind of that vibe mm. where you're like, oh, hang on. They like it. Yeah. Didn't expect that. Yeah, I think with that... undermined my expectations. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because... um, So, on this podcast, I did a whole episode on Midsummer with me and I, like, researched it to death and also gave a lot of what I thought all the imagery was um, through it. Uh, And that's been quite highly regarded um, by by peers because... um, uh, because of that. But the same vein, at least with that one, at least with Midsummer, it's... A, how do I put this? It feels cathartic. And this does also feel cathartic. Yeah. But you, in Midsummer, you kind of weirdly want it to happen. You do, you yeah. It, it's the yeah. logical and emotional payoff. Exactly. Whereas with this, it's kind of a bit like uh, out of nowhere, almost, I guess. Like it's a bit unexpected in a weird way. You don't know where it's going. So it's it's a good conclusion, but it's not one that you were kind of primed for, if that makes sense. No. Um, I mean, you've basically just seen the utter, complete destruction of an entire family. Yes. And you sort of, I suppose a bit of you wants to sort of think she's going to now somehow revenge herself or something. Yeah. And so actually it's like, oh my, it just leaves you with a bit of a weight in your stomach. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's it, as you said, like you don't know she was a witch all along now at this point. Um you guess not. Uh, you'd like to think not, but um, yeah, you're not quite sure. Or she's like just taking on all the sins of the entire family, basically upon her shoulders. Could be that as well. It's also yeah. there's also that classic horror trope, I guess, of um, the sticks, as it were. Like you know, like you have with a lot of like, well, talk about Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, the other yeah. day, but like that whole idea of like when you're away from society. Um, and all this stuff, how the world is actually a scary place um, yeah, yeah. and the inhabitants yeah. within it. Um, and that, you know, Mother Nature herself is actually quite terrifying um, in its own way. And that's what kind of witches are all about. Aren't they supposed to be? I don't know. Um, yeah. Or with nature or whatever. Um, yeah, it just taps into some really fundamental primal fears, this film. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's it. Good like, there's nothing scarier than a fucking forest, like, in all honesty. Like, yeah. You know, I find them terrifying at night. I find it weird when people are like, we're going to go to the woods at night by ourselves. And I'm like, you're just asking to be fucking murdered. It's the whole mystery of it all. Um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, but um, yeah, at the same time, it's it's great. Um, yeah, so I guess that's kind of it. I know you kind of went through it quite a lot there. Um, one of the few things I found uh, quite, quite interesting um, mm. is... Uh, yeah, as we're saying, like he did, I guess, did a lot of uh, research on um, uh, the film. Uh, I'm sorry, on background for the film and tales and stuff like that. Um, he shot it in a very remote location in Canada. 
Um, right. I was going to ask that earlier. Yeah. Short. I was thinking New England, but uh, yeah. obviously not. No, yeah, it's shot in Canada, Ontario, I want to say. And um, apparently they were waiting for it to be... They shot the whole thing when it was overcast. So they kept having... Every time they had like a sunny day or whatever, they would have to wait until it was overcast before they could <laughs> shoot again because they wanted... I think it was all filmed in natural light. They wanted it purposefully like gloomy. Um, but they've know. done something to wash it out, haven't they? Well, it would have been graded, etc. But they... Um, okay. But yeah, in terms of actual light source. Um, it was it looks natural. gloomy. And that's why they went for it to be naturally overcast the whole time. Um, so there's a, there's a constant gloom and darkness, shadow throughout the whole thing, um, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, I haven't really got much else to say about it, I guess. Um, as I said, like, you could go to town and do lots of research on the specifics of how what is in there uh, relates to real life or whatever, you know, or, um, uh, you know, or documentation of real life um and all this uh, if you want to go down that route um it is super interesting um and it's one of it's a great you know first feature feature debut for for this guy um yeah it is great and um, that's what we think but Yo. what does the internet say <laughs> should we look at some reviews all right let's look at some reviews Hate it. You know I like to start with the bad ones. Yeah, always. Go for it. Andre gave it one star. Right. It is just boring. Many people might say to you the movie is interesting. Probably because it criticises religious fanaticism for the most part. And that is somehow interesting. Aside from this obvious blow to religious people, the movie does not offer much. It is not scary, and it brings nothing interesting about witches. So, I'm not really sure what he is expecting. I mean, this is a, it's a general thing from this film, when other, when other people have seen it and come back to me, they're like, nothing happened. Um, that was boring. And they say, yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. Like, people... Especially like around this time, it's like sinister conjuring. I actually quite like conjuring, but like, you know, that kind of ilk, um, purge. Yeah. Sort of like, this is the kind of shit that they're used to. And then the witch came along and they would have gone thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to be some fucking cool horror shit. And then they're instead faced with like a language they can't even fucking understand (laughs) (laughs) to begin with. Um, yes, it must be a bit tough, I guess, for the average moviegoer. But, well, did well enough, I suppose. Wrinkly. <laughs> Over one star. Disappointing. Mediocre, to say the least. I've found episodes of The Monsters more scary. Well. You a fan of The Monsters? <laughs> I did used to watch it. You should look at the um, how they filmed. I think it was the Monsters. Maybe it was the Adams Family. Um, how they would film all that because you know obviously it was in black and white. Um, to get the right shades of greys and blacks and whites, it was actually extremely colourful. The sets. 
Um, I've heard that, but I haven't seen any pictures. Yeah, there's pictures out there. You, look, you should look. I, I should look that A up. lot of like bright purples um, and all this. Ah. So yeah, to get the right um, uh, to get the right look. Quite interesting, isn't it? They, they use certain yeah. colours. But yeah, you should check out um, how colourful those sets were. I used to love the Monsters when I was a kid. And this has reminded me, um, I used to have a Monsters video. I used, used to tape the episodes. Right. And this this is a really, really, really early memory for me. This might be pre-school. So like three or something, three Jesus. or four. Um, gave my video, lent it to a boy, a boy. to watch. And when we went to get it, they went, oh, sorry, we recorded the football over the top. Of course. Because we didn't have another tape and we wanted to record the football. So we recorded they your tape? They were like, we need, another, we need a tape to record the football. That's they were so like, yeah, shit. sorry. That's really, that's really <laughs> out of order. You just want your own <laughs> fucking tapes. A formative experience in my life. Yeah, don't lend anyone anything. <laughs> Listen um, I've got a few quite angry Oh. Comments here. All right, got them. Um, terrible. Right. If you are looking for a good horror like I had read and thought this was, this ain't it, lol. An awful attempt at, well, I don't think the director or script writer right. knew what the film was trying to be. I really was waiting the entire film thinking this is just a build-up to something spectacular. But guess what? Nothing happened. I'd give zero if I could, but that's bad. I threw it in the trash because I didn't want it in my DVD collection, <laughs> lol. Lol. <laughs> oh, Philip Brewerton, what a twat you are. What a steaming twat. JJ, one star. Do not waste your money. Seriously, it's terrible. It's worse than drowning Mona. He's Mona. <laughs> His mum. <laughs> it's worse than that time I drowned my mum. Is it? Yeah, no idea. Is it not Moana? Moana. How's it spelled? M-O-N-A. Oh, Maybe it's a film yeah. that we're not aware of. Drowning Mona. No. Yeah. Anyway, apparently this is worse than Drowning Mona. Oh, dear. Here's the review. Both me and my girlfriend are now angry as we have wasted an hour. We persevered a while but couldn't get through this dreadful pile of poo. And 3.49 on this awful film. Oh dear. Why even bother making this garbage? Honestly, what is the point? If you like poor acting, inaudible dialogue, lots of shouting <laughs> that you really can't make out, but will definitely find irritating, dark scenery, irritating young children whining and whinging, then this is the film for you. <laughs> Otherwise, just give it a miss and save yourself the inevitable anger at being duped by a film that should not have been made. It is by far the worst film me and my girlfriend have ever seen. Extremely angry that it even exists <laughs> and that others will likely also waste their hard-earned money on it. Please don't watch this film. You will certainly regret it. Oh dear. Guess he didn't like it then. I like how he gets angry about it. He would, ra he would rather something doesn't exist than it might, than it exists and people might like it. Demented. He only spent £3.49 on it as well. Fucking chill, mate. What chill up? out. JJ. Do you think it's JJ Abrams? Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Don't surprise me. Um, okay, cool. Well, I guess, I guess that's it. 
We could have a little look at your LP in the no corner. Oh, okay. Well, I can try and drag it down. I might be able to get it from here. Let's have a look in no corner. Okay. Well, here we go. The Vvvich. Just a black file. I'm probably getting it out. But um, yeah. Who's the music by? Uh, the music is by Mark Corvin. Um, apparently he was asked to try and make it as uh, traditional as possible and um, improvise basically uh, as much as, but as you, as you'll notice, there's a lot of like chanting and weird noises and, uh, and all this. Um, Yeldy folk instruments that actually sound quite strange to our modern ears. Exactly. Um, And yeah, it's uh, on the back, you'll see there's a little thing of like the devil, uh, I guess, who's got like wings and then a man and a woman kind of looking at him from old times. Looks like an old woodcut printing block. Yeah, exactly. Um, And then, yeah, I've got um, some of the title tracks. Uh, A witch stole Sam. So that's pretty, you know, on the nose there. Um, Foster the children. It's a theme for your life. Yeah. Foster the Children, I thought it was quite funny to have as a track name, seeing as that was that band that had that one song and then disappeared. Um, Caleb's Seduction, and then the track, what I love is track seven, Caleb is Lost, track eight, Caleb's Seduction, track nine, Caleb's Death. (laughs) (laughs) Caleb's Sweet. Why not? Um, There's one track of Isle of Wight, which is, I don't really understand that. The Goat and the Mayhem, Follow the Goat, Witch's Coven, Standish. Um, yeah. Uh, who released that? Um, Sony, uh, Milan Records, um, yeah, Milan Records, A24. Obviously, the people, um, yeah, and I've got that. That's pretty much one of the first soundtracks I actually got. I don't really know why. Um, I remember, uh, me and, um, uh, my daughter one day when we were in, um, I was just gonna. Uh, you know, when lockdown had just started, I decided that she wanted to make a film on my phone and we did like a horror thing called Red. <laughs> did I share it with you? You shared it. It was quite uh, yeah. funny. Um, and I used music from The Witch uh, on that. Um, uh, okay. Which, That's what I was. Yeah, which uh, was quite freaky. Um, it was quite funny because I sent it to uh, another mate of mine who's got a family. Um, I was like, oh yeah, me and Edie just made a film. Have a look. And he said that he was watching it with their kids. And then after about 30 seconds, they switched it off. Why? Because it was too scary. Yeah, because it's freaking them out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's kind of the point. I didn't realise you were going like, to sit down and have a fucking family viewing. <laughs> just sending it to you. And he's going, hey kids, let's uh, all sit around and watch this site. Watch this film. Edie loved uh, it. Edie good. wanted to watch it again and again, even even as horrific as it was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, well, she yeah. made it. She was the the director, wasn't she? Yeah, she had. Uh, she, I, I. Um, you like the producer? I was kind of producing it. Yeah, I did some of the camera work. Put it that way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, her, it was her thing, and I obviously edited it together. Um, she's not going to do it. She was three at the time, but. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's quite funny. Uh, so Maybe yeah. one day it will see for a more widespread release. Yeah, listeners can put on a look out for that one. B side of something or other. Um, yeah, so I guess that's it, guys. That was the witch. That's the witch. The witch. 
Um, yeah, take a look at it uh, for for more viewing. I'd also recommend um, the Lighthouse, and yeah, take a dive into A twenty four stuff. Yeah, have a look at Ariasta stuff, um, Hereditary, um, Midsummer, as we've discussed as well. Um, yeah. All that stuff, all that kind of new slow burn, proper filmic horror um, is well worth uh, well worth looking up. And yeah, Robert, yeah, and if you like if you like historical witch stuff and uh, commentary on Women's role in society, Haxan. Haxan. Nineteen twenty-two. Did you know? I forgot to tell you this. You know where my old flat was. I won't tell you where. Obviously, do you remember where I used to live in yeah. my flat? Yeah. Opposite there, on the literally on the other side of the road, is the back of a, um, a pool club. And apparently, on that underneath that pool club was um, a dunking thing for witches. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and like yeah. hundreds of witches or whatever were um, sentenced or whatever there, I guess. Um, yeah, it's just literally over the road. Um, I told my wife that and she freaked the fuck out. <laughs> what do you think happens? There's quite a lot of them, um, aren't they, around around like the south of England. There's a lot of places. I remember we used to, you know, when I was a kid, when we'd go like Surrey, Kent, Sussex. Mm. There's loads of ducking stools around the place, mm. which, you know, just tells you how... How widespread it was. Yeah, I think this was the, the county's most prolific spot or something stupid like that. Um, uh-huh. this, there's some kind of, uh, yeah, I don't think it's just that it was a spot. It's something about, something else extra about it, basically. Um, but yeah, it is surprising. Um, that whole thing, the whole thing of which is, is strange. Uh, um, yeah. So yeah, it's worth um, checking out. Uh, if you guys are interested in, in all that and historical stuff, I'm sure there's loads of interviews with Robert Eggers you could um, take a look at and you would go a bit more in depth on, on his research into it and all this stuff. Um, I listened to a fair bit um, after I watched the film originally um, and was really, uh, I found it uh, very light, enlightening about um, how life was back then and the idea of like the stories, basically, the, the, um, the folklore and all this stuff um, of of things that happened, but also stuff like real genuine, mysterious, weird things that happened back then that have kind of been lost in time. Um, mm, still unexplained. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah some weird shit, which... It's a fertile area, fertile area for creativity. Yeah, for sure. Uh, um, yeah, make you think about witches differently. Um, cool, well, that's it, guys. And Dan, any last words? Yeah, um, if you guys check out the film, or if you've already seen it, just uh, let us know what you thought, and uh, let us know if you thought we were on the nose, or if we got it all wrong. Yes, maybe we're on the wart at the end of the nose. Um, Cool, all right, thanks guys, and we'll see you on the next one. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to anewwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at anewwinter, Twitter at anewwinter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash anewwinter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.